You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, The Now Reality of Him. Enjoy. (laughs) It changes everything when you know that God is singing over you, that God is cheering for you, that God himself is on your side. Come on. That God right now at this moment God is for you. You need to know that. You need to go through your days and your nights with unshakable confidence in God being for you. Amen. (laughs) He's for you. Yes, he is. He's singing over you. I mean, if he's singing over you, he's got to be for you, right? He's so for you, he's got to sing about it. Isn't that awesome? He's so for you, he's got to celebrate. He's got to get up and move. He's got to, he's so for you, he's got to bless you. I love that about him. He's so for you, he had to give you, he had to give his son because he's so for you. He had to give his son. Man, I love that. So glad that you all are with us during this worship service. And we just love to soak in the word. God's word will bring life to you. It will bring clarity to you. It will bring health to you. It will bring wisdom and light to you. It will guide and direct you in your daily decisions. So let's get into the word. Father, we worship you with your word. We worship you by receiving your word. We take you, Father, at your word. We put our confidence in your word. And we thank you, Father, for giving us your word. Your word is quick and powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating even to dividing soul and spirit. Your word reveals to us your nature, your, your plan, your purpose, your provision. Your word quickens us and makes us strong. Your word leads us forward and illuminates the path before us and shows us the way we should go. And Father, we thank you for your word. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to illuminate our hearts that we would see Christ clearly today. That the clarity of who he is and what he's done for us and who we are in him would increase in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm calling this message this morning the now reality of him. The now reality of him. Not yesterday, not next week, but the now reality of him. All of us are living in the now. Now is what's going on in this moment. God is for you now. His love for you is a now reality all that he provided for you through Christ, although it was done in the past, it's your now reality. Your now reality. God is passionate about you knowing him. God desires for you to to know him in each and every detail of your life. He wants you actually to know him as the reality of your life. He wants you to know him as the, capital T-H-E, 
now reality of your life. God desires for you to know him personally in your everyday life, no matter what's going on around you, as your now reality, as the, capital T-H-E, the now reality of your life, a reality that every other reality is subservient to, that every other reality is in submission to. In fact, the reality of the one who made you He wants the reality of his love for you, the reality of what he did for you through Christ, the reality of who you are in him. He wants that to rise above every other reality in your life to the point where you uh, see yourself as he sees you, where your identity blossoms from the now reality of him where you see yourself as he sees you, where you see others as he sees others, and that you identify with him as the one you are born of, as your very own father. So good. He wants your daily decisions. All of us have decisions, many decisions that we make each day. And sometimes we're not even aware of all the decisions that we're making. But as the reality of him becomes our now reality, not yesterday, not one week from now, not a month from now, but when I'm, I'm conscious of his love for me now, when I'm conscious that he's for me now, when I'm conscious that before I got up this morning, he was already moving ahead of me, clearing a path for me, when, when you, that now reality becomes your uh, platform that you operate from, your daily decisions will begin to bloom from that now reality. You'll make decisions differently. You'll choose to do what you do for different reasons. There are things that you used to react to in a negative way that you won't react to anymore. It will enable you, it will save you tons of time and energy. There are things that you used to think you had to do, you realize you don't have to do those anymore. There are things that maybe uh, you didn't think you needed to do that you realize, oh, I do need to do those things. I do need to incorporate these things. The, The consciousness of his reality transforms us. When we know that God is now, that he's for me now, he's with me now, and if you're a believer in Christ, he's in you now, it changes the way we live. God is always present tense. God is always present tense. He's always now. You can go back to 1822, and God is now. You can go back 10,000 years, God is now. You can go forward. You can go back to the future. (laughs) A hundred thousand years into the future, God is now. He's always present tense. He's always relevant. He never expires. He's never irrelevant. He's never out of touch. He's never outdated. This is the God that we serve. He's perfect in all his his ways. He's, He's always fresh and real. He's always new. 
There's no one really like him. He has no beginning. He's always new and fresh. He's always relevant. Now, the now reality, the nature of God, the the reality of God at highway, we like to, to clarify that in three categories. When we're talking about the now reality of God, we're talking about his nature. In other words, who he is, his nature and his will. He wants his nature and his will to become your now reality that trumps every other reality in your life, that supersedes every other thought, philosophy, experience, doctrine. He wants who he is, his nature and will to trump every other thought, every other idea, every other thing in your life. So who he is is the first thing we emphasize at Highway Church. And secondly, what? He's done for us through his son. That's called the finished work. The scriptures refer to it as the finished work of Christ. So we're talking about the now reality, who God is being your now reality, what he did for you in the past through the finished work of his son is your present tense reality. The past tense finished work has become your present tense reality, okay? Who he is, what he did for you through his son, and thirdly, who you are now in him. These are the three areas we focus on at Highway, and and I have found that these three areas capture the totality of life. That if you will become strong in the reality of these three areas, who he is, what he's done for you through Christ and who you are in him, you will be transformed and no bondage will be able to stay in your life. Sin will have no hold on you. Uh, The devil will uh, not be able to stop you from moving forward. You will live the abundant life Christ came to give you, you will move forward into all the fathers prepared for you. All right? The now reality of him. Now, let's see here. Where do we want to go? We're going to have some fun. Do you have your hard copy Bible with you? Right? You, 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 you got to get your hard copy Bible and live in this thing and let this thing live in you. Okay? Let the the word of God on these pages become alive to you through faith. Believe in his word, embrace his word. Let his word become your reality. Hallelujah. Now, because Jesus whipped the devil, totally beat the devil, do you know that you only have one real enemy? And that enemy is unbelief. (laughs) Because Jesus beat the devil. The only thing that can keep you from fulfilling your destiny is unbelief. Unbelief in what? In God's word. Unbelief in who he is. Unbelief in what he's done for you. And unbelief in who you are in him. In fact, we see in the scriptures, as we look through the Old Testament, we see there's a history of unbelief. And it started all the way back in Genesis chapter three. And this is what Satan will do. Remember this, Satan, when he comes to 
to get you to unbelieve, he will do it in one of two ways. The first thing he will do is he will, uh, he will question God's word. First thing he said, right, to Adam and Eve. Did God say? Did he really say? So that's, and that's how he does it today. He, want, he wants you to question the word of God because he knows if you'll continue in the word, you'll be totally free. The second thing he wants to question is your identity. Remember when he came to Christ in Matthew 4, he said, if you are the son of God, these are the two areas of unbelief that the devil will come in. Did, is it really God's word? Did God really say that? I don't know. And if you are the son of God, are you really a new creation in Christ? Are you really born again? Are you really saved? Do you really have the Holy Spirit in you? Are you really healed? Your identity, okay? So be aware of that. Now we see this, we see some in the scriptures. We see uh, Abram, who became Abraham, called the father of our faith, where he believed God and left his family who were worshiping pagan gods and he began following the one true God. Awesome, right? Um, and, but we see some, and even in Abram, who became Abraham's life, we see uh, times when he, wasn't walking in faith, where he did things he shouldn't have done, right? We see, we see unbelief and we see, we see uh, man listening to the wrong voices. Now, interesting, speaking of this, in Luke chapter 18, in verse eight, here's what Jesus said. And listen to this, very interesting, very revealing. This reveals to us what God is looking for in our lives. He's not looking for someone who does everything right. <laughs> he not. He's not looking for perfect people who've got it all together. This is what Jesus said in Luke 18 at the end of verse 8. He says, however, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Wow. What's faith? taking God at his word. God says it, I believe it. It becomes my foundation, my reality, becomes the platform I, I build my life on. That's faith. Interesting for Jesus to say that. You notice he didn't say, when the son of man comes, will he find advanced technology on the earth? <laughs> what, what will the latest iPhone be? Didn't say that, right? He didn't say, when the son of man comes, will he find sound theological doctrine on the earth? Didn't say that. He said, well, he find faith. Interesting. That's a good question. I don't know about you, but I've determined I'm going to be one that he finds faith in. I'm going to be one that he, he can look at and, and see my faith in him evidenced by the way I've lived. How about you? Come on. You, why don't you make up your mind that you're going to be one that, that he finds faith in? You know, that's the only thing that impressed Jesus in his ministry. And he, he, he dealt with some very intelligent, well-educated people. The Pharisees were experts, had their doctorates, and they couldn't recognize him. He's not looking for, for uh, well-schooled, uh, logical, <laughs> um, trained People, he's looking for people who will simply believe in him. Are you hearing me? And that can, that can be a, a blow to our ego, 
right? Because we want to earn favor with God, but we can't. He just wants us to believe him. Man, that'll save you so much time. Now that's different from man. Man wants you to earn man's favor. God doesn't. He wants you just simply to believe. What must we do to do the works of God? Someone asked Jesus, I think in John chapter six. What did he say? Believe on the one whom he sent. Man, that's awesome. You see, when I take Jesus at his word, when I take God at his word, he becomes my now reality. Who he is, what he's done for me and who I am in him become a present tense now reality to me. All right, let's let's look at this. Um, Let me read to you out of John chapter eight, verse 31 and 32. Do you know that not taking God at his word, unbelief actually leads you into confusion and bondage. All right, remember that. Unbelief, not taking God at his word, leads to confusion, bondage, and darkness. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 8, verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, So there were some that believed on him. If you continue in my word. So believing God's not word is not a one-time thing. It's a way of life for us. Now Satan's going to try and take that from you, but be wise to his schemes, right? It's a way of life for us. If we continue, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, if you make my word your lifestyle, How's that? Then are you my disciples indeed? So what if you don't continue in his word? According to Jesus, you're not his disciple. (laughs) If I don't continue in his word, I'm not his disciple. That's a big deal. And what will the results be if I continue in his word? Well, I'll be his disciple. But what are the benefits of that? Verse 32 And if you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed, for sure, for real. And you'll know, K-N-O-W, you'll be sure, you'll be certain of the truth. Wow. And the truth shall make you free. If you want to be certain of the word of God, you have to continue in it. And that's why the devil tries to discredit the Bible because he knows if you'll continue in it, you'll be free. Remember, and I understand the Bible has been misused and misunderstood, but don't let the ignorance of man keep you from the new life this book brings. All right. The problem is not the Bible. It's, it's either man's approach to the Bible or man's ignorance of the heart of the one who wrote the Bible. The Bible itself is the infallible, inerrant word of God. And the devil wants to keep you from realizing that, continuing in that, so that he can trap you and and, and redirect your life in a direction that God hasn't prepared for you. But we're not going to let him do that, right? 
Because we are people that when Jesus returns, he will find faith in his word. We'll be continuing in his word. We'll be his disciples indeed, right? Hallelujah. So according to Jesus, if we continue in his word, we'll know the truth. In other words, God will become our now reality. That's what truth is, reality, right? God will become our now reality. And we will no longer determine who God is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him based on our circumstances, but by what he says in his word. Okay, let's keep moving. I, I've got, oh, I could, we could take some time there. But we're going to keep moving. It's so good. So God's people, as you look in the Old Testament, uh, in many cases, they led themselves into bondage because of their persistent unbelief. God would speak to them. He'd tell them very clearly his will, what would happen if they followed him and what would happen if they didn't. Because he's a just, loving, good father. And he's true to his word. And they would reject what he said. <laughs> and sure enough, what he said would happen if they rejected his word happened. Okay, but God didn't want that to happen. That's why he tells us before ahead of time, listen, if you do this, this will happen. If you don't do this, this will happen. Did you know God is, I've heard people uh, say, well, the, the Bible teaches that God is an angry God who hates people. It, it most certainly does not. <laughs> it most certainly does not. You will see a God who loves people, but because he loves people, he tells us the truth. If you do this, this will happen. If you don't do this, this will happen. He's a good father. I did the same thing with my children. If, if you do this, this will happen. If you, why? Because you love your children. You want them to make choices that will prosper them and benefit them, not hurt them. Right? Remember, God didn't make robots. Okay? He made people in his own image. We have a free will. He wants you to choose him. He wants you to choose to revere what he says and to choose to do what he says because he's your God. He's your father. Hallelujah. So it's amazing when you go through the scriptures and you understand the things we're talking about now, you, it will give you a very clear picture of the goodness of God. So the Israelites found themselves in bondage, in slavery to Egypt. It wasn't God's will for them, but that's where they found themselves because of their unbelief. But God prepared a deliverer, a deliverer for them. And what was his name? You got it. Moses. Absolutely. Yeah, God prepared a deliverer for them. And this, this was a man named Moses. Notice God, you won't see God coming to earth himself in the Bible and delivering people. God works through people. God gave the earth to man and God raises up leaders to bring his deliverance and truth to man. It's important to understand that. Many people are expecting God to show up in their lives and he does, but he does throw through by his spirit, through his word, through people. God works through people. It's important to understand that. Especially people who know the now reality of him. You see, the, the degree to which we embrace the now reality of him determines how much of him we experience. 
So you, that God has, has fully given his whole self to you through his son. But you've got to choose to embrace everything he says about himself and everything he says that he accomplished through his son and everything he says about you, who you become when you put your faith in his son. Hallelujah. So this man, Moses, God raises him up. Now, Moses was supposed to be killed as a baby. Remember Pharaoh said that to, to, to kill all the Hebrew male children. And what happened? Moses's mom, she, she hid Moses, put him in a basket, put him in the river and he floated down. Pharaoh's daughter found him. And it turned out that, that Pharaoh's daughter uh, summoned Moses' mom to nurse him and raise him in Pharaoh's house. Pretty cool, isn't it? This is how God works. He works through people. Hallelujah. God, you're so good. In fact, let's, let's stay here for a moment. Because, because God works through people, we have to be aware of offense. God, the Satan will try and get you offended at the people God's brought into your life to deliver you. Did you hear that? Satan will try and get you offended or turn you away from the very leaders that God has put into your life to bring you out of bondage. What does it say in Ephesians chapter 4? Uh, we're not going to go there, but in Ephesians chapter 4, around verse 8, it says that when Jesus ascended, he gave gifts unto men. And it tells us what those gifts were. Some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Why? To equip the saints so that they can fulfill their destiny and do the work of the ministry, right? So if you, if you want to become grounded in the now reality of God, you need some apostles in your life. You need some prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Real people. I thank God for the ones in the Bible, but you need people in this world now who are walking in, who are grounded in the now reality of Him. All right? So Moses was rescued from Pharaoh's decree of death. And it, it turns out his mom nurses him. And we can see that she taught him his heritage as he was growing, which is very different from the famous movie about Moses. What's it called? The, the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. In that movie, which is not accurate, in that movie, Moses didn't know he was a Hebrew. That's not true. He knew he was a Hebrew. We see that in the scriptures. In fact, I'll read Exodus chapter two, verse 11 to you. It says, it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. So Moses knew who his brethren were, the Hebrew people who were slaves. He was living in the palace as one of Pharaoh's own, but he went out unto his people who were slaves he, his brethren, and he looked on their burdens and he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew, one of his brethren. Very interesting. So Moses knew what nation he was from. He knew who his God was, but listen to me, he did not yet know the now reality of his God. He didn't know the now reality of his God. Stay with me. Now, 
he had a calling on his life to deliver God's people. But if you're not in an intimate relationship with the now reality of him, you're going to somehow try and fulfill your calling in your own way, with your own wisdom, with your own strength, by your own plan. And we see Moses stepping out and doing this. You know what he did to that Egyptian who was smiting one of his brethren? He killed him. That didn't set anybody free, right? He, he tried to fulfill his calling with his own wisdom in his own way. And you know what Moses ended up doing after that? He ran. <laughs> he ran from Egypt. And he hid for 40 years in the desert. Talk about, wow, a, a different direction, right? He was to deliver God's people, but he runs and he hides in the desert for 40 years. He had not yet come to know the now reality of God. What happened in that desert? God appeared to him, didn't he? Right? Moses in the desert for 40 years, so he's 80 years old at this point in time, and God speaks to him. Wow. God begins talking to him, calling on the destiny inside of Moses. And they're having this conversation. Uh, we're not going to go there for a moment. We're going to get into some other scriptures. Back in Exodus chapter 3. And Moses is, is listening. And God tells him, I want you to go to Pharaoh and, and tell him to let my people go. And Moses says, well, when the children of Israel ask me who sent you, what shall I say to them? Who shall I tell them sent me? And do you remember what God said to Moses? Very important. Tell them I am that I am. Tell them I am sent me. What is I am? That is the first person conjugation of the verb to be. That is the now reality of God. What is God saying? Moses, I want you to know me as your now reality. Because when you know me as your now reality, you'll be able to fulfill your calling in my strength, with my wisdom, with my direction. You'll be able to walk on my path and you'll be able to deliver those who are in bondage. I am. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> so good. I love that. Now, see, there's a problem with this. Religion doesn't want God to be a now reality to you. Doesn't want that to happen. Religion fights against the now reality of God. Why? Well, because if God is a now reality, that means I'm going to have to make some major decisions, right? I'm going to have to listen to it. I'm going to have to submit to him. I'm going to have to actually believe him and take him at his word. I'm going to actually have to follow him. I'm going to actually have to have real results in my life instead of religious doctrine. Do you know so much of man's religious doctrine is a camouflage trying to hide unbelief? 
And man, they're very good at it. They're, they're very well-worded doctrines. They're, they're very intelligently crafted. Uh, lots of philosophy and, and sound logical arguments built on logical premises. But they're contrary to the now reality of God. Hallelujah. I am. I am. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your now reality in our lives. You are I am. You are I am. You are our now reality. We choose you over the religious tradition of man. We choose you over man's well-crafted philosophies. We choose you over the logic of man's wisdom. We choose your word. Your word has become our now reality. Hallelujah. Listen, Jesus is the now reality of God. Many people think that Jesus showed up in the Gospels in the Bible. (laughs) That all of a sudden Jesus showed up in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But actually he was in Genesis 1. He was in Genesis 2. He was in Genesis 3. You'll see that Jesus has always been and is always. Let's look at this. Jesus is the now reality of God. Let's go to John chapter 1. I'm going to go there in my hard copy Bible. John chapter 1. Man, this is so good. Love it. Jesus is the now reality of God that you're looking for. He didn't just show up in the Gospels. He's always been. You will find Jesus in every book of the Bible. From Genesis all the way through Malachi. From Matthew all the way through Revelation. Hallelujah. Let's see. John chapter 1. Here we go. Let me get there. Six, four, three, two, one. All right. All right, John chapter one. Now, what's the difference? Well, in the Gospels, Jesus became a man. He took on flesh. God took on flesh. But who God is, his nature didn't change. Jesus is the same as God in the Old Testament. His nature never changed. What did change? Well, man's behavior, man's the, the, the covenant that God made with man because of man's behavior. There's an old covenant and a new covenant. And God had to, had to implement a new covenant so that we could experience his nature. But God's nature didn't change. The covenant changed. Okay? We're not going to go into that right now. It is so good. Understand that Jesus, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. No discrepancies, no difference. What's different? The covenant. Okay? Hallelujah. Let's let's read John chapter 1 so we can get through this. A couple passages we want to get through here. Okay. John chapter 1 says this. Very, very first verse. Read this in your hard copy Bible. This verse is a, is a life changer. It says, in the beginning, before anything else ever was, all right, in the beginning was the Word. Hallelujah. When you're putting your faith in the Word of God, you're putting your faith in the timeless power of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And here's the catch. Here's the kicker. And the Word was God. Hallelujah. God the Father, God the Son. 
In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. How can the Word be with God and the Word be God? He's God. He does things our carnal reasoning will never be able to grasp. Take Him at His Word. See, when you put your faith in His Word, then understanding comes. Understanding does not come before faith in His Word. It comes after faith in His Word. That's why the devil's trying to discredit his word to you so that your, your arguments and reasonings will be based on carnal wisdom, the wisdom of man instead of the wisdom of God. All right? So in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was what God. So that means Jesus has always been. He has no beginning, just like his father. He's always been. His nature has never changed. Now let's see, for time's sake, let me see how much of this we can get to. Well, let's go down to verse 14. And the Word was made flesh. That's what happened in the Gospels. The Word didn't change nature. It changed its appearance, His appearance, right? The Word is a, not an it, it's a Him, Jesus. If you read the whole chapter one, you'll see it's talking about Jesus. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And this is written by the Apostle John. He said, and we beheld His glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Man, that is so good. Now, I'm just going to jump ahead for time's sake here, talking about Jesus being the now reality of God, Jesus being the present tense reality of God. We saw in John chapter 1, he's always been. But in the Gospels, he put on flesh and dwelt among us. That's a big change, right? Now, in John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus said something about himself that made the religious leaders furious, so mad they wanted to stone him. What was it? Well, Jesus is talking to them, and they're looking at this man who was like 30-some years old, and they're saying, you're, you're, you know, you're 30 years old, or not yet, whatever, I forget what they say in this group, you're not yet such and such an age, and you, you're, you're talking, you say Abraham saw you? Because Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and was glad. And then Jesus made a statement in John chapter 8, verse 58. He said, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. You see how God thinks? Here's Jesus long after Abraham walked on the earth. And he says, before Abraham was, past tense, I am present tense. Time is not an issue with God. I'm glad that Michael J. Fox could go back to the future with his DeLorean, but you don't need a DeLorean to conquer time. God is your uh, flux capacitor. In other words, if there's anything in your past that's hindering you, God will change it. God will, God will fix what he needs to fix in your life to get you to your future. Are you following me? Hallelujah. Now, let's see. Let's go. All right, let's do this. So Jesus said, I am. What did Moses, what did Jesus say to Moses in the desert? What do you mean, what did Jesus say? I thought that was God. It was Jesus talking. Do you know every time God speaks in the Old Testament, it's Jesus talking. Isn't Jesus the word of God. Of course he is, right? It's good to know the real Jesus. He's the same 
yesterday, today, and forever, right? Now let's look at I am in action, all right? So Jesus said to Moses back in Exodus 2, I am. He said in John chapter 58, I am, and you'll see some other I am statements. We don't have time to go through these. But in John chapter 11, one of my favorite portions of scripture, I am comes on the scene. So just to give you a little synopsis, we're not going to read the whole chapter. Ultimately, our destination is Psalm 27, but we're going to, our our last stop before that is John chapter 11. So in John chapter 11, uh, Jesus is very close with Lazarus and his family, his sisters, Mary and Martha. Well, in John chapter 11, Lazarus is sick and Jesus is not in Lazarus' hometown. He gets a report that Lazarus is sick, but Jesus stays where he is for two more days. Okay, and uh, then two days later, Jesus shows up in Lazarus' hometown, but by this point, Lazarus has died, and he's actually in the tomb. They've actually buried him, okay, just to get the context of what's going on here. So Lazarus now is past tense. He's in the tomb, okay? It would seem like that's the end of Lazarus' story. But when I am, when you invite I am to come to your hometown and to get involved in your situation, what looks like a past tense failure, he has a way of turning that around and making it a present tense victory. He's I am. (laughs) So Jesus shows up. Let's see where go to. Yeah, let's go to verse 19. Um. And many of the Jews, this is John chapter 11, verse 19. Many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. So Martha, in the midst of her grieving over her brother dying, here's Jesus is there. She gets up and runs to him. Good idea, right? Run to the I am. No matter how bad it looks, run to the I am. Martha says to Jesus, Lord, now she she doesn't know the present tense reality of God. God hasn't yet become a now reality to her. That's okay. We're not, we're not, listen, if God's not a now reality, we're not shaming anybody. We just want to take you from, from God being a past tense thing, you or a future tense reality into a now reality. We want you to experience God now. We want you to live life making decisions based on a personal experiential knowledge of God as your now reality. All right. So she comes, she said, Jesus, uh, excuse me, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, that's good. Whatsoever you will ask of God, God will give it thee. That's good, right? He's, he's in the grave, but she says, hey, even now you can change the situation. Way to go, Martha. Jesus said unto her, your brother shall rise again. Now watch what, 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 watch what a, uh, a less than concept of God does. It puts, it puts what God says into the future instead of now. That's what religion does. Well, maybe that'll happen in the future, but not now. Jesus says, your brother shall rise again. 
What is Jesus talking about? Now. Right now. Your brother's going to rise again. What does Martha think he means? Well, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Who knows when that is, right? See how religion does and see how a, a, a less than now reality concept of God, how it can hinder you from experiencing what he wants to do in your life today. I know he'll rise again. And Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus says unto her, guess what he says? I am. <laughs> I love Jesus. Nothing can stop him. I am. There it is again. Jesus says unto her, I am. What did he say to Moses? I am. What did he say to those who were, who were uh, mad at him? I am. What's he say to Martha? I am. Present tense. I'm right in front of you. I am the now reality of God. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me. Now reality. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Come on, embrace Jesus as your now reality. No matter what you're going through, no matter what's happened in your life, He is I am. He can turn anything around. He can take the worst day of your life and make it the best day of your life. She says, Martha says unto him, "Uh, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. She still wasn't getting it, was he? I mean, that's good. She believed he was the Christ, but what he wanted to do in her life was not a now reality. Many people believe that, that Jesus is the Christ, and that's awesome. We need to believe that. But they haven't yet embraced the now reality of what he could do in their lives, what he wants to do in their lives. They haven't yet embraced the, 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 the things that they think are impossible. He wants to do those things in, his, in their lives. <laughs> so when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly saying, the master has come and calls for you. And as soon as, uh, excuse me, that was Martha. As soon as Mary heard this, she quickly came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. So the Jews then, they get up, they leave the house, they follow Mary, they see Mary's going now, so they follow her to the grave and they're weeping there. Uh, Mary comes where Jesus was, she sees him. Mary falls down at his feet. She says to him the same thing that Martha said. Lord, if you, hadn't been, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's good. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, listen to this, he groaned in the spirit hmm, and was troubled. What was troubling him? That they didn't realize he was there now reality. They didn't realize he was their now reality that he was the answer to their brother living again. They're weeping as if I am is not standing before them. If I am is standing before you, there's nothing to cry about. 
And Jesus said in verse 34, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Jesus doesn't want them to be sad. He doesn't want them to be grieving. He's the answer they're looking for. Then the Jews said, behold, how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? That's how unbelief does. It starts reasoning and wondering why this happened. This shouldn't happen. What about that? Why did this? That's unbelief talking. Unbelief always goes there. Well, why did this happen? Why? That's all unbelief. You won't ask those questions when God has become your now reality. See, the now reality of God removes the question marks in your mind about his will and what he wants to do in your life. Hallelujah. This is really good. I'm just praising God. This is really good. Hallelujah. So Jesus, uh, so right after they say that, right, right after they say that, couldn't he, have, couldn't he have kept this man from dying? Guess what Jesus does again in verse 38? Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself. Huh? They still don't get it. I'm standing in front of them and they don't realize that I am. That I am the now reality that they're looking for no matter how bad it seems. They think this is over, but I am is standing in front of them. He groans again. He comes to the grave. There's a, the stone is already laid upon it. Jesus says, take away the stone. That's weird. Why would anyone want to do that? Carnal reasoning. That doesn't make any sense. I am. Listen, you're going to have to stop trying to... Uh, fit God into your limited carnal reasoning. There are many times what God says to you won't make sense to your carnal mind, but he's I am. Just do what he says. And when you act on his word, when you put your faith in him, understanding will come. And you'll be so glad you did. Hallelujah. And uh, let's see, where are we at this? So Martha says to him, um, Lord, by this time he stinks. For he's been dead four days now. Woo! -wee. Jesus said to her, here it is. Did I not say unto you that if you would believe, are you telling me in order to experience I am in my daily life, I have to believe that he can do anything? Yes. You mean I don't have to figure out how he can do it? I just need to believe that he can do it? Yes. So many people waste so many years of their life trying to figure, it, figure out how and why instead of just believing he is. That if you would believe, you should see the glory of God. When? Now. Do you want to see the glory of God now in your life? then believe he is, I am. Embrace him as your now reality. What did Jesus say in Mark 11, uh, 24? What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you have, receive them. And you will have them. That's faith. I believe it's done. I'm not basing what I believe on how I feel, how I look, 
what's going on around me, but on what God has said. I am. It's a different way of living. The, the natural mind, the carnal mind of man can't walk here. It doesn't make sense to carnal minds. It makes, <laughs> I've heard someone say, how do they say it? Faith doesn't make sense, it makes faith. <laughs> I like that. Hallelujah. So he said, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. So they took away the stone, good for them. Right, that's, a, that's acting in faith, isn't it? Where the dead was laid and Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I know you've heard me, but for the benefit of those standing here, first of all, you always hear me, but I'm saying this so they'll know that you sent me, so they'll know that I am. And what does he do? He cries with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out and Jesus says, loose him, take those grave clothes off him and let him go. Make the man a meal, get him some coffee, Let's celebrate <laughs> he who was dead is now alive, right? This is so good. This is so good. And I mean, I could, I could preach on this for days. I love this passage, but I really want to get to Psalm 27. Because listen, God wants to be your now reality. God wants to, to make a, tra- he wants there to be a transition in your thinking where he's not somewhere in the future, He's not somewhere in the past, but he's standing right in front of you, ready to do whatever needs to be done to cause you to experience his victory in your life. But you've got to become grounded, solid in that. And I know this this can, can be, like you can hear a message like this and think, well, I want that, but what about this? And what about that? And I don't, but how does it... The way that you become grounded in the now reality of Christ, of God, is by meditating in the promises of God. Go through the word of God. And and when, when God reveals something about his nature, something that he wants to do for you, a, a revealing of his nature and will, grab a hold of that. And know that's for you, and then meditate in that. So when I when I'm in John chapter eleven, I'm meditating in that for me, that Jesus is my resurrection and my life. He's the I am in my life. That if there's someone or something that died and shouldn't have died, that I can call them back to life. Does that sound crazy to you? You know what Jesus, when he he spoke to his disciples, he said, freely you've given, uh, freely you've received, freely give. Uh, Go and preach the gospel, cast out devils, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. That same resurrection power, I am is living in you. Come on, it's time to embrace him, right? So I want to give you a great place. John 11 is one of my favorites. I just love meditating on that reality. I see myself there. I see Jesus talking. I I smell the stink of the grave. And then I see him speak. And all of a sudden, where there is death, life comes bursting forth. I see that inside. I meditate in that. You meditate in the reality of God's word. 
See it happening in your life. For example, last scripture and we'll close, Psalm 27. I look for verses like this. Verses that are declarations of who he is, what he's done for me, and who I am in him. And they're all throughout the scriptures. But you've got to find them. You've got to get your hard copy Bible. You've got to look for them. And and it takes effort on your part. You've got to continue in the word. If there's something you don't understand in the Bible, ask God to explain it to you. I've found that if I'll just continue reading, continue believing, that answers will come. They don't always come at the moment that I ask for them. God, what does this verse mean? It's not, it's not like all of a sudden I have the answer, but I find if I will trust him, not give up, but I'll continue in his word that he will show me. And it might be something I read in Deuteronomy and he'll show me what it means in Jeremiah <laughs> or something I read in Numbers and he'll show me what it means in Malachi. The word of God is alive, continue in it. Let him unveil himself to you through his word. Don't quit. Continue in the word, right? God's word is infallible. It is inerrant. It is by the spirit that we have this book in our hands. All right, you can trust the word of God. You may not understand it all. I don't understand it all, okay? Our goal is not to understand it all. Our goal is to know him as I am. And that comes just by believing what he says. Oh man, this is really, really good. Look at Psalm 27. Bingo, we're right there. Jesus is standing in front of me. The Lord is. Not the Lord was. Not the Lord is going to be. The Lord is my light. I love that. That's a statement of faith, isn't it? I can be in a dark situation. Uh, Things don't look good. I don't feel good, but I make this declaration, Jesus is my I am. The Lord is my present tense reality. The Lord is my now reality. The Lord is my light and my salvation. What does that word mean? Wholeness and safety. The Lord is my present tense light, wisdom, direction, The Lord is my present tense wholeness and safety. Hello, are you still with me? The Lord is, because he is my present tense reality, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the present tense strength of my life. Now, of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host, that's a whole army, should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise up against me, in this will I be confident. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. One thing, I love the passion in David's heart for the presence of God in his life. That's something you can cultivate, a passion for his presence. 
One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me he shall set me up upon a rock means he's going to keep me safe. He's going to protect me. And now, now, N-O-W, right now, he's my present tense safety, my present tense salvation, my present tense strength, my present tense wisdom and light. And now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies. Hallelujah. He's the now lifter of my head. Round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle <laughs> tabernacle sacrifices of joy. Start praising God now that he's given you the victory. Ah, but it doesn't look like it. No, don't use these eyes. Use these eyes. Believe him. Father, thank you. We've got the victory now. Thank you, Lord. We're victorious now. Thank you that we're healed now. Thank you we're whole now. Thank you that we're safe now. Thank you that your will, abundant life, is done in our lives now. Thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper in our lives, that the righteousness we have is from you now. <laughs> Yea, I will offer these sacrifices of joy. <coughs> Excuse me. Throat is a little dry there. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hallelujah. I, I love that. Start singing. Don't wait till the circumstances change. Start singing now. Now look, last two verses we'll look at in Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14. And I want you to see how important it is to cultivate this now reality of God in your life. To believe that you will see the reality of God in your life today. To believe that He has done it. He's not going, excuse me, He's not going to do it. He has done it. He has done it. It's done. Your salvation is done. Your victory is done. Your provision is done. And as you worship Him for it, your praise opens the door for angels to move and bring about His will in your life. It creates a whole different atmosphere. Look what he says in verse 13. Uh, actually, I want to read this. Oh, I, didn't, I don't think I did print it, but it's okay. Um, in the Amplified, it says, um, it? what would have become of me unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living now? I can say the same thing. What would have... What would have become of me? I would have, I, I, I probably wouldn't be here right now. I would have fainted. I would have, who knows what would have happened had I not chosen to take God at his word and believe that I would see the reality of who he is in my life now, not in heaven, now in the land of the living. Hallelujah. Man, that's so good. That is so good. Father, we thank you for the now reality of you. We thank you, Lord God, that you are now, you are I am. You're not going to be, you're not I used to be, you're I am. Holy Spirit, help us to become grounded 
in the now reality of you. Help us to become grounded in the now reality of what you've done for us. Into the now reality of who we are in you. That we no longer be reaching out for something we think is going to happen. But we'd stand in the reality that you've already done it. That we would live by faith, not by carnal reasoning. That we would take you at your word. That we would come before you as sacrifices of joy and sing praises unto you. Because we are confident that you are our light. You are our salvation. You are our strength in the land of the living. Amen. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.